Talk Through edition of Young Gun. My name is Dimitri Ravanis. Ryan Leaf is my guest this week. He is coming up in just a moment. First, though, I've got to tell you about my friends at Graffiti Spirits, Axes, and Art in Cary. Now, last week when I recorded with Paul Feinbaum, I straight up forgot to record uh, the conversation about graffiti. Then I went back and looked at it and realized I, I think it kind of works better to do it this way up top. Look, graffiti, you've, you've heard Lauren and I talk about it. It is a wonderful place to watch football every Sunday. It may not be what you have in mind for your average sports bar experience, but then again, graffiti is not your average bar. High-end cocktails, axe throwing, there is something to distract the people that are not down all the way with football. But if you are into football, 19 TVs, weekly prize giveaways, great beer specials, you know about the bourbon pour specials, right? There is a different price point for all kinds of specials on bourbon pours at Graffiti. If you have not experienced it yet, it is something you need to do this coming Sunday when you watch the Texans and the Panthers go head to head. Support them because they support us. It is Graffiti, Spirits, Axes, and Art, 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. All right, welcome to the midweek talk-through edition of Young Gun. No Lauren, just me and an expert to sort of help us get in sort inside the mind of where Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers might be. This week, it is Ryan Leaf. You know him from SiriusXM, makes regular appearances on Good Morning Football, the Straight Line podcast, uh, and he is calling this week uh, Georgia and Florida on Westwood One with my buddy J.P. Shadrick. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time, man. My pleasure, man. Yeah, exciting uh, when this matchup happens between two rookie quarterbacks, right? It doesn't happen that often, especially those right. picked one and two. Um, it makes for, for a very uh, entertaining week to talk about and get ready for. And that's the reason that I wanted to have you on this week is not only – uh, did you experience that your rookie year? But also, you experienced something that Bryce is going to experience this week, and it was different, right? You went through a head coaching change before your seventh game of your rookie season. For Bryce, it's just a new play caller, but even still, tell me as you are going through the challenge of trying to just understand what life in the NFL is for you, that added pressure of suddenly there is a whole new coach that you've got to listen to, a new plan that you have to get down with. It is. I mean, it's not certainly as significant as losing probably a, a coach off the staff. The fact that that the words that he, he's going to be hearing are are similar, right? I mean, the the verbiage that's a big part of it at the NFL level is learning the whole new offense, but also learning the verbiage of what that offense is. Because you you, you know you, you don't reinvent the wheel when it comes to football plays. I mean, pretty mm -hmm. much everybody runs similar type of plays. You do it from different kind of formations and schemes and things like that, but the, what you call it's different. What I called it in college to what I called it when I got to the NFL. And then when the head coach is fired and the offensive coordinator who has his own thought process, he steps into the role and there's some things that are called differently. So I, I would ex expect that to be a, a bigger hurdle. Uh, if that's the case, uh, if the offensive coordinator coming in now or was taking over play calling duties, if he uses different verbiage, that could be uh, something that could be a little more difficult for Bryce, but, you know, for him, and this was my biggest, you know, fear or worry for for Bryce was that the guy has never had to lose, never lost. He just right. has at modern day one of the biggest powerhouse high schools in Southern California to Alabama and playing, uh, you know, for an SEC championship uh, and doing what he did. And the two games they lost last year were 
were on the final play of the game where he wasn't involved. In fact, he had the lead in both situations. So guy knows how to win. And what happens when that is the furthest thing that is, that is coming right now. And that's a win. And, uh, um, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it as a leader? Um, and you know, everybody wants change when losses happen, whatever that looks like, whether that's the quarterback, in this case, it's the head coach saying, I'm not going to call plays anymore where he's been a stud at that for his entire coaching career, really. And so it's, it's interesting uh, going into a game against the likes of the Houston Texans who have clearly showed that, um, you know, they've, they've figured out what they want to do offensively and they've been executing it at a pretty high level and CJ Stroud's early, early part of his rookie year too. At the most basic level, what is it that the people making these personnel decisions, whether it is, GMs, coaches, you know, here in North Carolina, it's no secret that the team owner uh, is very involved in some of these decisions sometimes. What do they lose sight of that a struggling rookie may need or that might even be part of the struggle for a rookie quarterback? Yeah, it's it's dumbfounding to me uh, around ownership and maybe even upper management uh, of some of the decisions that are made when you're dealing with a rookie quarterback. I mean, the franchise of this team is always and going to be anywhere in the NFL is going to be the quarterback position. It's, it's been shown to be profoundly that, mm-hmm. the uh, quarterback. And so what you should be doing in every sense of the word is trying to acclimate him to make him feel as comfortable as you can. Because if, if you can get the best out of this player, the team's going to uh, you know, be the recipient of, of the success, not just the quarterback. Um, and so that, that always, you know, makes me wonder what, you know, what's going through the minds of those. If they truly believe that's a change and that can be uh, a positive one, I guess. I mean, you go back to my year, you you spoke about, they fired my head coach, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. an offensive minded head coach who, uh, who I'd really come to like. Uh, he was aggressively kind of con- confrontational and, you know, and really kind of challenged me and, and I was starting to find my way a little bit and, and, uh, and then you, you, you let them go and then you go out and hire a coach the next year that, that really has no semblance uh, or reason to be a head football coach in the NFL because of a, a relationship with Bobby Bethard. So I never could quite get under. And now I don't ever want to take away any uh, ownership or accountability on my part. You know, what, what my part in uh, my behavior was, what it was. And that's the biggest difference I've seen with some of these young quarterbacks is how much more mature and ready to be leaders of men that they are. Like, you know, you got to ask the question, how could, you know, how would Bryce Young deal with, you know, you know, a, a Troy Aikman type of rookie year where he won no games. Right. Uh, what does that do to the psyche uh, of someone who's always won? And how does he feel moving forward? You know, the way the, the fan base comes at you and, you know, how they did it with Tua and the best thing in the world that happened for Tua was Mike McDaniel coming to mm-hmm. town. Like that, those types of things for me are huge factors. And I don't know necessarily if ownership can really wrap their head around it, especially owners that, yeah, have been in the business for some time, but they're, they're still owners. They're not, they're not football minds. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what it looks like moving forward because uh, there has to be some results from this. Like if there's no yeah. results from it, people are going to look at it and go, you know, it was uh, lipstick on a pig type of mentality, you know, and, and just to make it look look better for the show and everything we've gone through and, and did to get our quarterback, our coach and the staff that we have. It, it doesn't seem to be working. Um, 
and maybe it just takes more time. The patience level for owners and fans and people at the NFL level, it's just, it, it's non-existent. It's, it, it's not real. Uh, I, this may be uh, a dumb question, but, uh, but I can only find out if I ask you. So can you look at a quarterback and recognize if he may be going through some of the same struggles mentally and emotionally that you were your rookie year? I feel like I have a pretty good handle on when I see it in terms of, and it's usually behavioral, you know, the, yeah. the football stuff of it, uh, it is what it is. And when things are going bad, things are going bad. I look back at the, the, the Colts game playing against Peyton and I throw a, I throw a, like a 45 yard touchdown uh, bomb uh, to get the scoring going. And they throw a flag and they say my right tackle was too far off the line of scrimmage, like little things like, like <laughs> things that you're just like, Oh my gosh. Like if, if we score there, that that's a different football game. Yeah. And, uh, and how that compounds, especially when you're losing in this league, uh, losing in this league magnifies things to, uh, to a hundred times mm-hmm. it's, it's spot. And, and when that happens, you know, there are casualties and the casualties usually are the ones that sit at the, at the table, the, you know, coaches, the coordinators, the quarterback, the guys that get all the praise when things go well, but also, um, get all the blame when, when things aren't going so well. So those are, those are uh, uh, things that I tend to look for usually around the behavior aspect of things. But I think Bryce Young has handled himself uh, incredibly well uh, through all these uh, uh, adverse situations as a rookie quarterback, trying to be the leader of, of all these men. Hey, Dimitri here. Just want to take a quick break to ask you to do me a favor. Wherever you are listening to this, whether it is on your favorite podcast platform or you're watching the video on YouTube, do me a favor, please. Take a moment to like and subscribe. And while you're at it, please leave a comment as well. Your comments, your interaction with the show is what helps more people discover it. The more that YouTube and these podcast platforms see people interacting with the show, the more the algorithm wants to put it in front of other people. So if you like what you hear, do us a favor and help spread the word by leaving a comment. And of course, like and subscribe as well. It is how more people find out about Young Gun. And don't forget, every Tuesday when the regular show comes out, you can watch the TV version on Origin Sports. You've got it if you have any of the fast TV services. Zumo, Roku, every other fun word. Freebie, that's another fun word that's also the name of a service. And of course, Samsung TV+. Plus. Join us every Tuesday night at 7 Eastern on Origin Sports. I uh, I want to, you know, I mentioned the straight line, the podcast you do talking about the NFL every week. I, I do want to encourage people to go listen to Bust as well, which is about your football career and life after football. And I genuinely, Ryan, like I'm not saying this just because you're here. I think it's one of the best sports documentary podcasts uh, that I've ever heard. It's It's so raw and honest. And in that podcast, you talk about the fact that maybe you haven't embraced being called bust, but you've embraced that there's nothing you can do about it um, at this point. And so I I wonder if you can take me back to when you remember the first time hearing that word being thrown around about you in the media, whether that it was, uh, you know, by somebody working with credentialed access to the team or just, you know, some schmo calling into sports talk radio in in San Diego. Yeah, I found it's been more, I've never heard a peer of mine use those, Mm -hmm. use that word. I, I, I liken it to, um, let's put it this way. Like I, I can call myself that you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That, you know, that's, that's, that's like the mentality that I have around it. Um, 
for me to be self-deprecating and, and own it and understand it. Um, Cause really in my mind there, you know, you, the, the idea of, of what someone um, identifies as, as being successful mm-hmm. is, is a crazy uh, situation right. when you, when you, no, when you listen, we we've talked about this before when it comes like on the TV side of things, when people make jokes about a show getting canceled after a single season, like, do you know how successful it is just to even get it on TV in the first place? Right. And that's the thing. I mean, when I tell people, especially when I go and speak to colleges everywhere, that there's only been 27,000 uh, NFL players ever in the history of the NFL, the hundred years, uh, it just it, it it doesn't register. I think everybody mm-hmm. just assumes you're you're a decent college player, you're going to play in the NFL, and that's just not yeah not the case. And so uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's taken some time because I let it affect me for a long time. Clearly mm-hmm. it took me to a, to a bad place, but I also think it's given me a, a ton of perspective around, uh, how I deal with it and how I view, um, when I'm being an analyst, uh, around the draft, around the scouting combine, around the players that are, are, are getting the opportunities to play. Cause I also have an understanding that they're, you know, they want to be successful. Every single of one of them wants to be successful uh, and they've been so successful their whole lives. It's, it's probably, very foreign to them when when things don't go as as to plan Mm -hmm. um we've been doing this podcast since the first week of the preseason and and i just sort of want your reaction to this because i I think it speaks to how much we are demanding of these rookie quarterbacks especially those of us that don't really know the realities of the league right every week i can look at our comments on youtube and see at least one person throw the word bust around about uh bryce young less than half of the less than halfway into his first season in the NFL. Yeah. And I wonder who the, the individual is, is throwing that around a guy that's probably in, in his uh, mom or dad's basement, you know, yeah. you know, wishing everything in their power that they could have been a bust. Right, uh, in right, their eyes. Right. So it's all about how you interpret that. My, my biggest question, and I think I'm, I'm going to dive into this, in the future, uh, especially around our general population, uh, is why why it's necessary. Like, mm-hmm. why is it necessary for you, whoever you are, to make it known that this person who was supposed to have uh, a ton more uh, uh, success because of all the expectation, why is it so important to you to... Um, make them know that, that this is what they think of you. I just, that's my biggest thing. Cause I don't know if I've ever truly in my life looked upon somebody else uh, and tried to uh, diminish or mm-hmm. kind of disseminate something that, that somebody's done at such a high possible level. It's just odd to me. And I think that's probably why it's so intriguing. Um, and, and I really, I, to be, to be really Frank, I, I I don't think for a moment Bryce Young's looking at that stuff. So yeah, um, you know th- those are just guys kind of screaming into a fan out there. But it, it is <laughs> it's it's an interesting uh, uh, you know kind of juxtaposition around somebody who who feels like that it's important for them to make it known that I think this guy is a uh, uh, that this guy didn't meet expectations. And I also mm. don't necessarily know if I like the the fact that the general manager and owner and the people making the decisions to draft these players uh, aren't taking on more of the, the burden because guess yeah. what? 
you know, in my sense, in Trey Lance's sense, and we, we had no say mm-hmm. in where we were drafted. Zero. Uh, all you can fault us for is being great college football players and wanting to, to go to the NFL. Somebody else made that decision on where we should be drafted and what those expectations may look like. Now, you know, did we, did we take missteps along the way? Is there some sort of accountability there? Yeah. But, I mean, what happens a lot of times is these players are discarded, have to wear that as an anchor, and, you know, ownership just moves on to another quarterback. It's next up. Right. You know, and so that's – I think there's got to be a deeper dive into the idea of, like, you know, this is – what is this? What is the point mm-hmm. in saying that? Is it, is it a point to try to, to humiliate and bring this guy down? Or is there, are you just making a commentary on, on the organization with this player that, hey, uh, drafted this guy, thought he was going to be great, um, and the word just just something that that is associated with it, which is which is odd. Yeah, which I'll tell you, a guy I always think about in that particular context is Josh Rosen because I think we lose sight of that. Yeah, he was a top ten pick, and the Cardinals did have plans for him to be a franchise quarterback. I think we lose sight of just how bad that offensive line was that he was behind. Well, his also, first year. yeah, and also. Uh, they fired their head coach at the, at, right. at the one year. So, and they went and got a coach that the only quarterback they could associate with them is the guy that was going to be number one in Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't. And once you get, I, I wouldn't say label, but once you get to carry that anchor with you throughout the league, um, you are going to looked at, you're going to be looked at in a negative context. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give you a, you know, give you some context in this, uh, Chase Daniel, who I love, I've loved watching his career, what he started at in Minnesota uh, at Missouri and how he's bounced around and made himself valuable as a backup. I think he played 13 years. This is his final year. He's kind of gotten to the analyst gig, starting working for NFL network. Um, somebody, somebody showed me uh, his career statistics. Um, and I have more touchdown passes than, than he does. <laughs> and I just, I would, I wouldn't and could not believe it. I had to look it up yeah. myself. <laughs> I'm like, and one you consider successful and one you consider not successful so I just tend to go, you know, it's all about where you're drafted. It's all about mm-hmm. what those expectations are. And Bryce Young, love him to death. He's going he's gonna to have to, you know, wear that expectation um, for as long as it goes. And if the team doesn't do well and if they find a new head coach in a couple of years and all of a sudden, you know, Bryce Young's somewhere else and he's just kind of – that's what they're going to – they're going to tag him with that. When you're the first overall pick, that's what it is. And it's unfortunate because you have no say in it. Yeah. Uh I want to wrap by talking about the game this week and I will uh, go back to the bus podcast. And one of the things you said on there is that you realize that in a lot of people's minds, you and Peyton Manning are going to be forever linked because you went one and two in that draft leading up to the draft. There was some question about which of you would go one and which of you would go two. That is obviously the case with CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, or at least, you know, so far it's the case with them. You played Peyton week five of your rookie season. Here we are in week seven, uh, excuse me, week eight, rather. And these guys are going to play. Was it something you thought about at the time and was a distraction or a motivation for you? Or is it not something that you really considered until much later in life? Well, for me, it was for me, it was about right in the ship. I mean, I I uh, I won my first two starts and then got terribly sick from a staff infection and mm. tried to play against Kansas city and had the worst statistical quarterbacking game uh, you can have. And then follow that up with yelling at a reporter during the week and then throwing four interceptions against the giants at home and being booed off the field, uh, even during a make a wish commercial um, <laughs> that I had done. So, I mean, it, it had gone bad, yeah. bad in a hurry. And 
now we were heading to Indianapolis where I'm pretty sure that, that Peyton and Indy had not yet won a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and there was an opportunity there. We had beat them soundly in the preseason in our third and third preseason game. So and, and, and for people that don't remember, like Peyton's first game was a multi-interception game. I mean, there was reason to think that there you was know, you, the you first are- two, the first two weeks, uh, I was two and oh, they were on two. He had thrown like six interceptions. Yep. And I was, t- you know, I was, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I'm, I've got this, I've won this. Sure. It's just not how it works. not how it goes. You got to compartmentalize and go week to week. And it was a tight game. We both, neither one of us played yeah. well in the game had an opportunity late to get down the field to try to get us the win. We didn't get it. Gets his first win. Uh, we go to two and three. Um, I think we go play the Raiders the next week. And then our head, my head coach is fired. So, yeah, I mean, things can go from bad to worse pretty quickly at the NFL. If you can't find a way to win and, uh, and it doesn't matter what it looks like, just, just post that W uh, cause they don't have pictures when the season's all said and done on what those W's look like. So I think this is a really good opportunity for Bryce uh, I think this is a real good opportunity for for this football team to to get off the schneid uh, against a team that, you know, I I think feels pretty confident, but also uh, has showcased they can can play well, but still get beat by you know teams that 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 find a way to get defensive turnovers. And it's one thing that Carolina does really well is play good defense. So lean into that, utilize Adam Thielen like he has. Uh, and hopefully they can find some semblance of a running game that can take some some pressure off Bryce in this matchup. Uh, I'll let you go real quick. I do want to ask you because you mentioned Adam Thielen. From from my very uneducated perspective, there are times where it looks like going to Thielen is a way for Bryce Young to sort of snap himself out of whatever feels like it is going wrong. Is that something that you could see being true for a quarterback, or am I misinterpreting? No, I think you, you know, when you're young and you're, you're struggling and you're trying to figure out things, you, you, you know, you find a security blanket, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like. A lot of times it ends up being a check down running back or a tight end. Um, how Adam Thielen tends to operate around the line of scrimmage is very West coast offense style, you know, kind of uh, uh, with what Kevin O'Connell brought to the table and what Adam's kind of done throughout his career. And uh, that makes Bryce feel pretty comfortable when he can know he can get back to his spot hit his, hit his uh, fifth step or whatever it is and get the ball out. Um, and Ad, Adam's just a, a guy that's, that's a great veteran who knows and has seen everything and, and he's not going to put his young quarterback in a bad, bad position. Um, I would love to see them utilize LaVisca Chenault a little bit more in terms of he's such a hybrid player. I don't know if they fully understand how to use him. put him in the, if they put him in the backfield more like Debo Samuel uh, but I've been covering him ever since he was at Colorado, and he's a special player. I would love to see him be utilized a little bit more uh, to kind of take some pressure off of, uh, of Bryce as well. So, But, yeah, Adam Thielen, for me, I thought that was a huge mistake by the Vikings, allowing him to get out of there. Uh, his veteran leadership, I think, and especially in a situation now with where Justin Jefferson is out up there, he would have fit in and uh, as that leader. Um, as I say that, they, you know, upset and beat the 49ers <laughs> on, on Monday night. But uh, – but he's going to be a he's going to be a calming influence for this team, especially if they struggle down the stretch.